Hello everyone, um, welcome back to Better Than Bad. Uh, I'm your host Jess, I hope everyone is doing well. I hope you all enjoyed the last episode that was all about Dev Patel. If you haven't had the chance to listen, make sure you go back and listen to it. I was joined by Zoe Wells and we had a really, really interesting discussion about Dev's work, the two films and loads of other different industry related things. Um, but today I am back and I am back with another special guest because I have Sean with me today. Hello, Sean. Hello. How you doing? I am well. I am well. Um, so today we're going to be discussing someone really interesting. Do you want to tell the people who we'll be talking about today? We're going to talk about um, possibly... <laughs> One, I'd, I'd argue he's like one of the most recognisable faces right now, um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, I would say that he's like one of the few people that I would say is like a proper celebrity in yeah. the complete sense of the word. Yeah, I'd agree. Like he's got every sort of aspect of the sort of like celebrity culture covered. He's in like every other movie. He's everywhere on social media like everyone just knows who he is at this point yeah you'll be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't know who he is and if they don't then they would have ironically been living under a rock um so i've just got a little little background on Dwayne johnson if you have no idea about him uh Dwayne johnson also known as the rock is an American actor and former wrestler. Um, he is regarded as one of the most well-known and influential wrestlers of all time. He used to wrestle for the WWE before pursuing an acting career. And he has starred in films such as the Jumanji reboots and sequels, the Fast and Furious franchise, and he is set to appear as Black Adam for the DC Universe. Did you know him from wrestling or was it just you've seen him in films what was the how how did you come to know Dwayne the Rock Johnson I'll be honest I'm not a wrestling fan <laughs> so <laughs> it was definitely not through wrestling I think I was aware of him because I think I owned like one wrestling game on like the GameCube or something um and that's about it for my wrestling knowledge um so my sort of like introduction for him was through movies and I think the first one I remember seeing him in was it was um, he was in something with, um, oh, I can't remember the actor's name, but, uh, Sean William Scott. Uh, it's called like I think it was called Rundown, but it was also called Welcome to the Jungle. So he's been in like two different movies called Welcome to the Jungle at this point. Yeah, I um, I think for me, yeah, it was mainly seeing him in different films, but I knew who he was before I ever saw him in a film because he was so famous. And... It wasn't until actually, it wasn't until really like the Jumanji sequels that I started paying a bit more attention because I unapologetically love the Jumanji reboot sequels, whatever you want to call them. Like, I think <laughs> I really enjoy them. Um, and I remember watching them and being like, oh, that's The Rock. Oh, yeah, he he's not that bad of an actor, actually. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting. I think he's quite an interesting person to discuss. Um, is there any particular reason why you really wanted to discuss Dwayne Johnson? Um, for me, it's all about sort of that superhero persona. And it's not like just superheroes in like, he's going to play Black Adam, but it's that he doesn't seem like he's human right now because he's constantly working. He's got like this work ethic beyond anything I've ever seen. And I'm just very impressed with him constantly in mm. the way he pushes himself forward and... 
I think he has vastly improved as an actor as well over the years. You know, as you said with the Jumanji films, he's actually a really good actor in those. Like, mm. he's having to do some actual acting with it. It's not just, look at me, I'm a big action hero. Look, look at me, strut my stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so he's and I, I, he's got quite a, like a, an interesting career trajectory that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, and I find it really interesting that he's definitely found the niche market for hi- for him that keeps him working keeps him relevant um and he's definitely grown uh and become better within that sort of film type or genre um so the films we're going to be discussing today i went on to imdb in the last episode and i found out um what his highest and lowest rated films are on there um so his highest rated when i looked last episode was moana which has 7.6 stars but i did go back on yesterday and it has recently been topped by super pets (laughs) oh no (laughs) yes which i was confused by but i haven't seen super pets i don't know how good it is but that has 7.8 stars we're still going to discuss moana but um I just found that quite interesting that within the space of like two weeks, it had been topped by a very new release. Um, And his lowest rated film was a a film called Long Shot, which had 2.8 stars. I did try and look for this. I can't find it anywhere. Um, I'm sure it's on the internet somewhere. There's always, it's always somewhere. Um, But yeah i couldn't find it um so we worked our way up a little bit and the next lowest rated film where he is actually listed as an actor is tooth fairy which has five stars and also that is his lowest rated on rotten tomatoes um and i think it has like 17 percent on there so we are still getting his lowest rated (laughs) I feel like seventeen percent seems seems about right. Not not to play my cards early, but <laughs> well, we are going to start off by talking about Tooth Fairy. Um, just some info for the listeners: if you haven't seen the film, it's got five stars on IMDb. It was released in twenty ten. Um, it's directed by Michael Lembeck. Um, it was written by Lau Gans. It stars Dwayne Johnson, obviously, um, Ashley Judd, Julie Andrews, and Stephen Merchant. Um, I would say that to like sum it up it's essentially the santa claus films but for teeth um dwayne johnson plays Derek, who's a minor league hockey player whose bad deed sort of results in him having to serve a one-week sentence as a tooth fairy um so the first question is have you seen the film <laughs> i'm guessing I have you seen have the film <laughs> yes i watched it uh this week um what what were your thoughts? What in a nutshell? What were your thoughts? Well, firstly, I I want to point out that I really thought this was a Disney film at first, and I was expecting mm. to find it on Disney Plus or something like that. No, um, I had to go out and rent it, so mm. uh, <laughs> that was a, that was a kind of a fun one. I didn't realize that Two Fairy was going to be the hardest film to find. <laughs> um, yeah, to rent it. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't expect it. I I thought I had seen this film before, um, but this did come during the era of, like, bald guys doing babysitting movies. Like, there was this, <laughs> there was... I think that he did another one called, like, The Game Plan, and he had mm-hmm. one... Uh, Vin Diesel did The Pacifier, and I think I must have just combined them all together. 
Um, so I have not, I had not seen this movie before this week. Yeah, this is the first time I'd seen this, but it it did remind me. I I've seen the pacifier. I remember seeing that when around the time that it came out, um, or a little bit after when it ended up on DVD. But um, this definitely had the same kind of tone. It even really looked the same. Like those sort of it was that period in the sort of early late late two thousands, early twenty tens, where every kid aimed film kind of just had the same kind of like color grading and everything else just looked exactly the same it was like a very formula based filmmaking process <laughs> or oh, that's what it seemed like at least oh yeah I, i'd agree with that and i think as well that the sort of jokes that they make along the way as well are very like we've got out the joke book we know which level we're at let's just stick with the classics <laughs> nothing too uh <laughs> nothing too crazy here yeah, well, one of my f- first notes when I was watching this was um, how in the opening scenes he screams, you can't handle the tooth, which I just thought was very <laughs> on the nose about what the film was about. <laughs> yeah, it sort of just gives it to you immediately to be like, okay, yeah, this is this is the movie we're in for. Are there any, what would you say are like the standout moments for you in this film, if there now, are any? I. I really want to praise Stephen Merchant for this one. Um, mm-hmm. He plays like uh, his, uh, Dwayne's like handler into the, mm. <laughs> into becoming a tooth fairy, and I think it's probably like it's, it's a really fun role for <laughs> Stephen Merchant. He gets to kind of be just entirely wacky and zany, um, and they do like a training sequence where it's like his first attempt to do do a tooth fairy job, mm. and. Uh, there's all sorts of gadgets. It, it's weird, but it kind of goes into that sort of like James Bond's Men in Black style. <laughs> it, here's your list of gadgets. Uh, <laughs> let's see how you're going to use them. Yeah. I thought that they both, you know, Dwayne and, and Stephen Merchant, I thought they had a really good dynamic on on screen. Like, I will say that. When they were in scenes together, it, I was like genuinely enjoying it because I thought that they had quite a good little chemistry Um on on screen yeah i agree and it's interesting because um it connects to like a previous episode of yours that um the reason that the film fight with my family came about is because Dwayne and steve merchant worked together on this film and obviously you did an episode on florence Pugh. so yeah well that this was the thing i didn't realize steven merchant was in this film and fighting with my family is one of my all-time favorite films and so when Stephen Merchant appeared, I was like, because when you initially said, oh, yeah, well, um, we should discuss Dwayne Johnson. I was like, oh, that's because he produced Fighting With My Family. He was in it at playing himself, but he was in it. Um, I was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't realize Stephen Merchant was in this and this was where they'd met. So um, I did think that that sort of tied everything in quite nicely um, that they, you know, I'm glad this film happened because it resulted in one of my favorite films. Um, coming about <laughs> I, I think that's like the best thing we could say about the tooth fairy in a yeah. way is that at least we got fighting with my family from it yeah, which i agree i think in it. that film is like so good yeah i've got to thank tooth fairy really for bringing the the dynamic duo that is Dwayne johnson and stephen merchant together because we have um the brilliance that is fighting with my family um yeah the, the tooth fairy is just it's very childish. 
obviously i mean that's what it's aimed at it's aimed at kids i found find it quite interesting that both of these films that we're discussing today are films that are aimed at children and i think that's quite um sort of an interesting discussion about Dwayne Johnson's career is that a lot of the films that he's in are very family orientated films um maybe not so much the the Fast and Furious franchise but even then they're like uh events film events that a lot of older kids older teenagers will will watch so he seems to be involved in those films that are very um family orientated which i find quite interesting saying is he's come from a wrestling background yeah i think i think that's super interesting as like a career choice in that he has done like a few like more i i guess more adult films he did like pain and gain with michael bay uh but like for the most part he does do like either family sort of aimed films or blockbusters which again they they are really family films nowadays even the fast and Mm. furious ones are all about family Mm. So, in a way, he sort of knows that that's the market that's going to get him the most money, I think, and the most sort of recognition. And he yeah. sort of sticks with it, which, and, and he does a great job with it, honestly. He, you know, even though Two Fairies not high art cinema, it does a really good job at entertaining. I, you know, I was watching it uh, one evening and it it wasn't awful. <laughs> I'd put it at that. I, I expected yeah. it to be worse, which I think is a glowing recommendation at this point (laughs) yeah i didn't i didn't hate it i i kind of thought i'd go into it and be like oh god here we go but i didn't hate it at all i thought like it did what it was set out setting out to do it was supposed to be just a wacky funny little family film that you could sit the kids in front of and they would be entertained and that's what it did um it is very much like it did remind me of the santa claus films i don't know like everything about it the formula just reminded me of that yeah i was watching it and i was thinking the exact same thing i was thinking wow this is like spot (laughs) spot on for being a santa claus film and i wonder if it was sort of but i think they must have gotten to the end of the santa claus trilogy at this point uh with tim Mm. allen so they must have just been like all right well (laughs) what's the market that we could get into here or who's the next one on the list oh two fairy sure let's go for him yeah and because I just thought when I was watching it, it was the exact same plot. You know, the miserable man gets told that he has to serve a sentence as a, you know, mythical kind of being, and his life changes because of it. And I was just like, this is the exact same plot line. I'm not mad. It, you know, it does. It works. It's a plot line that works, but I just found it funny that it was so similar um, to the Santa Claus films, um, which again, I I love the Santa Claus films uh, unapologetically. So I wasn't too angry about it, but it was um, it was funny when I started watching. I was like, this really is the Santa Claus, but for teeth. (laughs) That's the weirdest thing to have to say is that anything is this for teeth. (laughs) (laughs) A weird phrasing to have to include. Um, I, I did want to like mention that the cast for this is like surprisingly good. Like mm-hmm. outside of Dwayne, obviously Stephen Merchant we talked about, but they got like Julie Andrews in it, which <laughs> amazing. Always love yeah. her in anything. And there was like a, like a random cameos. They'd like Seth MacFarlane showed up for like one scene. Mm. I think um, 
Billy Crystal was in it as well for like a single yeah. scene. And it's just so like, why are you guys in this? What <laughs> they must have been throwing out the checks for this one. Yeah, they must have been throwing money. Cause I mean when Julie Andrews appeared, I was like, how'd they get her? <laughs> Because she's not in a lot anymore. I think this is actually her last on-screen appearance um, for for like a long time, like it, just in a film. She's she, obviously she was really um, big back it back in day, and then she's um, then sort of her career sort of well, she herself slowed it down because of illness and stuff. And so when she appeared, I was like, what What did they What did they say or do to to get Julie Andrews on board with this fil- this film in particular? Um, I mean, I thought she was great for that part, though. Oh yeah, she she fits the role. We're <laughs> gonna get anyone to play like you get Julie Andrews. You know what I mean? Like, um, I thought she did. <laughs> she was great, but it was just so funny when she appeared, uh, and she sort of just sort of floated down with her wings, <laughs> which I found very funny. Her her sort of weird arm movements to make it look like she was floating like a fairy. <laughs> Yeah, she really like played it up, sort of like whimsical. I'm I'm floating. I'm very light, light on my foot, floating <laughs> arms as well. Um, she she was clearly having a nice time with it, so yeah. good for her. Like none of them looked like they were hating their life, which I always think is a good sign. Of I just... feel like sometimes you can really tell if someone's yeah. not feeling this, and thankfully for this one, everyone seemed to at least have a good time making it. Yeah, I really liked Billy Crystal in this. I thought he was really funny. I mean, he's pretty much always really funny. Yeah, it was just like it did everything that it was set it set out to do. That was what I kind of got from it. I was watching it and I thought, right, it's not it's not the most amazing film on the planet, um, clearly, but it clearly had an, an idea of what it wanted to do, the market it wanted to hit, and I I do think that it ticked all of those boxes. It just kind of you know, it did what it wanted it and like you said there were those string of films that came out around the same time that were all trying to hit the exact same market of you know he had the game plan that we had the pacifier as well with Vin Diesel like all these kind of very men manly men (laughs) who were then babysitting as she said babysitting on babysitting duty I didn't realise babysitting movies was a genre until I sort of went into it a bit more. <laughs> and like, because I think Dave Bautista's done a couple since then, more recently, and I feel very like out of date in terms mm. of like, oh, this movie was meant to come out like 10 years ago, but you didn't, you weren't an actor at that point. Yeah, it's kind of strange that they, they kind of, they, that idea, or I guess you could call it a genre, they, it came and went very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a two-year period where it was just like a lot all in one go, and then they sort of just said, "Okay, we've dried that market's dry. Time to move on." Yeah, because it's it's kind of interesting actually. Around the late two thousands, early twenty tens, there were those loads of um, sort of family kids films that were very um, like over the top, in your face, bright colours. And then all of a sudden, that kind of just disappeared. Because you had things like Cheaper by the Dozen um, as well that kind of had that, that similar vibe of it being very, like, slapstick comedy, very physical comedy, bright colours, over the top, 
parents or adults being subjected to chaos thanks to children and then all of a sudden those films kind of just died died a death and we haven't really seen them come about again yeah i think my favorite from like that time is like uh, daddy daycare i think that's the one that sort of stands out to me as like yeah the, the sort of men having to babysit and not knowing what they're doing also weird that <laughs> that all these movies are like men have no idea how to look after children yeah i mean what what message are we sending <laughs> I know. guys this is why the genres died because we've got more progressive men have slightly yeah. learned how to look after children because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like in, in tooth fairy where the little girl's like oh i've lost i the i've lost a tooth and all of this and then he literally goes to tell the child the tooth fairy isn't real and i'm just like this poor like she must have been like four five and he's just there like i'm about to crush your dreams i mean that's what they call him in the film the dream crusher um i was like these these men don't know what they're doing (laughs) it's weird that his first instinct was because I think it was that he'd taken her to fairy money for yes. gambling, which also is a funny plot point in itself. Because that's like one dollar. <laughs> You're not gambling with one dollar, surely. Um, and then when she's looking for the money for the, her tooth, she's like, "I can't find it." And his immediate reaction is to be like, "I should just destroy her hopes and dreams now." Mm. I mean, something I will say, though, is that that little girl was only in it for the money, though, because he was saying, oh, you know, you've lost your tooth and all this. And then she's just like, no, they give you money. <laughs> it's like, girl, it's, it's a dollar. Something I did read when I was looking through IMDb's little trivia um, section was that apparently that I found quite interesting was apparently that um, this script was actually written in 1993 as a vehicle or an idea for um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, (laughs) But then he eventually chose the script for the last action hero instead of the project was put into limbo or shelved for years. And then obviously they dusted it off around about um, this time, reworked it slightly and then made it um, a film that Dwayne Johnson could do. That is fantastic. But also, I'm thinking it must have been the same time as he did, like, Kindergarten Cop and Twins and Junior. So it does fit with that genre of, like, Arnie comedies where he's just doing wacky things. Well, it's quite Uh, interesting because they they do both kind of have a similar career trajectory in, you know, sports star or, or, you know, star of a particular sport and then um, working their way into acting. And both being very like action hero-y and then moving into a more family-friendly kind of um, acting career for a bit. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe <clears throat> maybe Dwayne Johnson will become the uh, a politician like um, Arnold <laughs> did. Well, they keep saying this. I think I think they keep like um, egging him up to be like president someday. And um, I, I think I saw it like a video with him and Kevin Hart, <laughs> and, and Kevin Hart was encouraging him to become president. And uh, I I don't know if he'd want to be that far ahead. <laughs> I, I I don't know where he's going to find the time. He's already like the busiest man in the world. I don't know how he yeah, can fit he's... even more in at this point. He is booked and busy. <laughs> And it's like, you constantly see him on, like, Instagram doing... He's in the gym constantly as well. So I'm trying to figure out what time he has to do anything else. 
yeah i'd love to know his like daily plan like what time does he wake up because how are you fitting in those gym sessions and then having like doing like a full-on career on top of those things i i feel like i need to know this just for my own personal um (laughs) daily plans because this man just that seems to do it all i mean money helps with that but um What's an off day for, like, what's his, like, downtime look like? As in, you know, is he actually having any sort of relaxation or is his relaxing going to the gym again? Yeah, I'd, I really I really would love to know what he does when he's just chilling out. Because it doesn't look like he ever chills out. But then he's a really calm guy, so he must chill out. Yeah, and I feel I feel like yeah. he gives the impression of someone who's quite fun to hang around with. Um, clearly, he's got he's an intense guy. It, I get that impression that when he's working, it's full like focus. There's no like <laughs> playing it down, being a bit like, oh, you know, I'm not doing my best work today. He's like 100 percent every time he works. But mm-hmm. I also bet he'd be a great person to just hang out with. Yeah. A hundred percent. He seems like a, I mean, obviously we can only base it off of interviews and, and whatnot. Um, but he does seem like a very down to earth, nice person, despite the fact that he is, like I said, like a celebrity through every sense of the word. He is so well known, but he just seems really down to earth at the same time, which I think is rare to find someone that famous who still has that quality, which is probably why he's as popular as he is. Yeah, I think that definitely feeds into it a lot in terms of people feel like they know him, even if mm. even if we don't really. He's our friend. He's listening yeah. right now, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dwayne. Hi, Dwayne. Um, what did you actually think of him in this film? Like, What were your overall thoughts of him in this film? I can tell it was like, still early days for his acting career. I'm not going to say he was bad. He wasn't. He was doing a serviceable job. He was doing Mm. exactly what you expect him to do. Um, But I think it's that natural charisma that already immediately shines through. Like, any time he was sort of having to... There's, like, bits where he's, like, egging on the crowd at, like, the ice rink and Mm. things like that. And he sort of, like, fits into that perfectly. Obviously, that's from his, like, wrestling days. He knows what he's doing. Uh, and he does have like just a really good rapport with like anyone he sort of works with. So like with Steve Merchant, when he's working with the kids, it seemed seemed like he was really genuinely like making a good connection with them within the movie. And I think yeah, he's clearly from here he, he definitely improved has improved as an actor. He's like mm. grown a lot, and I think this is sort of the signs that maybe he's taking that step up slightly. Yeah, and I think this, in terms of, like, roles, this works well for him because it is that kind of very charismatic sports star, which is what he was for a very long time. Obviously, wrestling is um, is, is a very interesting um, sport, but a big part of it is um, the charisma of people and how they can really egg on the crowd and get the crowd involved. Um, all of my knowledge of wrestling, by the way, does come from fighting with my family. So, um, (laughs) that's where the knowledge comes from. Um, but it's quite interesting that this sort of, with this sort of role, because he's kind of in a way, I don't, 
I feel a bit bad saying this, but he's almost just playing himself. Well, that's not a bad thing, though. Yeah, I think because he he knows what he he knows what he's doing, and this is the thing with a lot of a lot of his early stuff. I think is that he was kind of playing Dwayne Johnson as a character, and then as we've kind of progressed forward, like because I, I know we mentioned the Jumanji films earlier, that was like I said, that was probably the first time I was like, oh, he's actually doing some really really good acting in this because he's having to do a lot of the comedy stuff. Um, and so it's quite interesting seeing that trajectory of him sort of being Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who just happens to be in a film, to sort of slowly but surely establishing himself as a very decent um, actor that people can rely on. I think it's that change from being known as The Rock to just being known as Dwayne Johnson. I think there's like mm. been a period where people did just think, oh, it's The Rock in a movie. Oh, it's, you know, he's he's in an action film and stuff like that. To now he is just Dwayne Johnson. Like, I'm sure there are now probably people who don't know that he's The Rock. Yeah. When, when you know, like our generation sort of, that's what he was. And that's still what I know him as regardless. Yeah, because that's the thing. That was what he was known as for a long time, and then very, very sort of slowly started to pull away from that um, that name, that trademark. I need to and figure out which film it was that he dropped the rock from his name because yeah. I, I think there was a point, and he stopped having it in the um, the title. You know, like the trailer titles. It used to always say Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and now it's and there was a point where it just dropped to Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, because I'm I, curious I do remember when it was. That. I remember, I can't remember when it happened, but I remember there being like this big thing about him dropping the rock. And then he's recently come sort of full circle and is is quite happy to still be referred to as the rock. But there, I remember, uh, maybe I'm making this up, but I do remember there being a period of time where he really didn't want to be referred to as the rock anymore. Um, so it's quite interesting, really, like, and it's interesting as well coming from that wrestling background because there are other wrestlers who have done similar things. Um, John Cena, for example, is sort of doing a very similar um, thing now with his acting career. So it's quite, um, yeah, it's a, I think he's a really interesting person to discuss because it's just such a strange way of getting into this industry. Usually when someone becomes an actor, it's usually through more sort of traditional means they've always wanted to be an actor and then they've eventually you know auditioned and auditioned and auditioned and got a role and then with what with um him it's like he was a wrestler first and then transitioned into being an actor through through a lot of I, i'm looking through his imdb at the moment and a lot of his appearances his early appearances were was he was playing himself like literally credited as playing dwayne johnson um so that's quite interesting as well. That he, I, I've just seen that he was in an episode of Hannah Montana playing himself, which he was. I remember that episode. <laughs> I think they do his makeup or something, and they put him in a wig and all sorts. Oh so... my gosh! Yes. <laughs> like I don't know why suddenly, but that just sprung to mind. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that's the episode. Yeah, because that that was the whole joke, wasn't it? It's a really manly man, and then he's like wearing it. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> But he did, he played himself a lot. And one of the other things, well, I mean, one of his first acting jobs um, was The Mummy Returns. 
um, where he was the Scorpion King. <laughs> and I just remembered that because the CGI oh, yeah. on that was so awful. He looked like a video game character. I mean, that's generous to say it looked like a video game character. It was like, the, he was like so smooth. <laughs> there was some like weird, like off putting, like his whole face, it looked vaguely like his face, but it was so smoothed over. And you could see see where the edge was, where they were like, mm. oh, that's not where his face is anymore. We need to just cut that out. <laughs> and it just, yeah. it's so off-putting. And when, when you compare it to some, like, obviously, like, more recent films, and to be fair, compare it to the rest of the CGI in The Mummy, and you're like, what happened? Yeah, did they just not have enough time? It, I just, that's... Because we, uh, I've also had a previous episode where we've discussed um, Brendan Fraser and me and my friend Jody were talking exclusively about how much we love the Mummy films. But something that I could never quite get past was Dwayne Johnson's um, weird CGI self <laughs> as the Scorpion King. But I have just had a quick look actually because you were saying when did he d- drop the rock? Um, and it seems that it was around uh, the 2008 mark. Because in the game plan, which we've um, obviously mentioned earlier, he was down as Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And then he was in a film called Get Smart, um, where he wasn't listed as that. And then from that onwards, he's just down as Dwayne Johnson. Interesting. I always thought it was was later than that. But maybe maybe that's just more like a, a public sort of opinion thing, where it's like people didn't see him as anyone other than The Rock until probably about Furious 7 or something like that. One of them mm. ones. Yeah, so it, when the, when Tooth Fairy came out, it would have just been, his name would have just been down as Dwayne Johnson. So are there any other like thoughts or feelings about this film that you want to lay down before we tie up this section? I'm, I'm kind of glad the Tooth Fairy didn't get the same <laughs> same treatment as Santa Claus, as, as in we didn't get three of these movies. Um, well, do you know what though? There is a sequel. Oh, there is, isn't there? And it's there is, is a sequel. Is it Larry? Is it Larry, is it Larry the yes. Cable Guy? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I, I was because in my head I was like, man. So if you think about Santa Claus and diminishing returns in terms of that series, as in like <laughs> they obviously maybe drop in quality a little bit as they go along. If Two Fairies already starting at that level, <laughs> and it's going to get worse along the way. I do worry for the the state of what Two Fairy Free will eventually look like. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen the sequel, and I don't think I ever will. But <laughs> I I never will. I promise you that now. I will never watch the sequel. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Um, Sorry, I, Larry. They had the best time when they were filming it. Yeah, look, just have a good time. Someone will have watched it. Um. So next up on our little discussion, we have to. Um, move on to Moana Um, now Moana has 7.6 stars on IMDB it was released in 2016 Um, it has a sort of four different directors it's got Ron Clements, John Musker, Don Hall and Chris Williams as a screenplay that was written by um, Jared Bush with music by Lin-Manuel Miranda Um, it stars Dwayne Johnson obviously amongst others and it was nominated for two Oscars um, including animated feature film and original song. Have you seen Moana before? I have seen Moana many, 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 many <laughs> times. <laughs> it's like one of the like recent Disney films that I constantly go back to. Um, this is the first 
animated film that we are discussing on this podcast. So um, that's very exciting. Um, I had seen Moana. I was trying to figure out when I'd seen it. It wasn't when it initially came out. I think it was like a year after um, that I saw. I finally saw it. But I had seen it before um, re-watching it again for this podcast. Um do you like the film, I guess, is the, the next question. You've sort of half answered it already. I adore this film. This is like one of my favourite Disney ones nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it holds up just as well as any of the sort of like 90s Renaissance era Disney one, animated ones. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Moana as a character is so interesting and exciting. And the story itself it's not a hugely like original story. It's sort of like go get the MacGuffin, <laughs> take the MacGuffin to the place. Mm-hmm. But the way they tell the story and the characters in the story are so interesting and it's so colourful and full of life that yeah, it's hard not to love this film. Yeah, it's such an enjoyable film, and th- there's so much about it that's really good. The music's great. The visuals are beautiful, and. It has a really nice balance between like comedy and the sort of more emotional moments, which is something that I do think Disney always does really well, particularly within their animated stuff, is that they have a really nice balance between you wanting to cry and (laughs) you laughing. Um, So I do think that this is a real standout, particularly in the recent um, releases from Disney. Um, yeah, I I really love this film. Have you got a favourite song from it? I actually really love Your Welcome, and I'm not just saying that because <laughs> we're discussing Dwayne Johnson. I have always that song is a bop. I will always really enjoy that that song. Do you have a favourite song? Um, I'm actually going to say Shiny. I think that's my favourite, and I think it's because it's like the one that people pay the least attention to. Um, I just think it's super fun. I also really enjoy the fact that I'm I'm glad Moana came out when it did because it was sort of like early days of like Lin Manuel Miranda, and mm-hmm. people hadn't yet turned on him like they seem to have done nowadays. Yeah, so, I don't quite understand why they have. I'm still trying yeah, to figure that out. <laughs> I think it's just because he's around a lot. Like he's mm. just very present in, and doing a lot of work. So obviously, people are, are like you know you know what people are like they hear enough of one person they're like i'm bored of it now give me something else yeah yeah but moana came out at a perfect time because hamilton was like on the rise at that point and Mm -hmm. this sort of like fed into that in a way like you're welcome there's like the little rap Dwayne does and it's and it feels very hamilton at that point Mm. well the you know you say that shiny's your favorite um song i did read that um that was inspired by david bowie um and was sort of an ode to him and his music which i can when i then rewatched the film and listened to that song i was like ah, oh, i hear it um i also think it's really cool because i think it's like one of those casts like as in voice cast where it actually helps to have sort of the celeb names on it mm. and the the people that they got in the cast are interesting voices they don't sound sort of you know this is my concern with some like animated films is they just get a big name actor because of the, their name, not because mm-hmm. they're actually got a good voice for mm-hmm. animated films. Dwayne has a good voice for animated films and yeah. especially for Maui. Like he 
fits into that role so perfectly. Well, it's actually quite interesting you say that because I was again reading some reading up on um, Moana, and I did read that Dwayne Johnson is himself very annoyed when celebrities are cast in voice acting roles and they don't necessarily have the skill set for it and said that he was very conscious of doing a good job and was consistently asking the other voice actors who were involved in the film whether they thought that he was doing a good job whether he needed to improve on anything so he's I think it helps when you have an actor who is very aware of that because voice acting is difficult and it is um, a very big skill set to have it's also something that people aren't particularly paid very well to do. So when you get big, big time celebrities coming in and then they do a, a very average job, I can imagine that if you are a, a full time voice actor, that could be quite frustrating. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think as well because you're not seeing the person on screen, so why would it mm. not make sense to have someone like a voice actor who does that work for a living come in? do a fantastic job with their own voice, give them, give them a good amount of money for it rather than spend mm. those extra million to, you know, $10 million on someone, a big name who you, your kids aren't going to know it's them. They're not going to care. Yeah, exactly. But if, when it comes to this role, like he is the perfect person <laughs> to play this character. I mean, if you're going to pick someone to play a demigod, you pick Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, this it, I think that's it. It's sort of <laughs> the persona of Maui and the persona of Dwayne Johnson are like nearly the same in terms of like there's that sort of big ego thing going on mm-hmm. that it's he like a, knows he's good. Yeah, a charming cockiness. Yeah. There's like, and that's something you get with Dwayne Johnson is that he seems very um, humble, down to earth but also knows what he's good at. And I think that's what, you know, I think that's um, something that's admirable. I think people should be like that. You should know what you're good at and you should be proud of that. Um, And I think he definitely has that uh, element and then was able to amp it up to the next level for this particular um, role. And, you know, we haven't, I haven't had the opportunity to discuss voice acting on this, this podcast yet. So it's, it's quite interesting. Um, to see how he's still able to have his personality shine through this sort of voice acting role. Yeah, and I think uh, I'll, I'll compare it to like a, a a recent sort of movie. And we had Onward come out with um, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland, mm-hmm. and obviously those are big names; they're big Marvel guys. But mm-hmm. their voice acting didn't come through in Onward for me as as uh, mm. Dwayne's did in this. I think that the personality just didn't shine through the same way as that it does for someone who he's larger than life. And obviously that just comes through in every aspect, including his voice acting skills. Mm. But then you're also not sat there going, oh, that's Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, no, that's it. And it, he immediately, when he does, when he's in that role, you're like, yep, that I fully believe you are Maui. I can see you as a demigod. I can believe everything that you're saying is coming from that character. And yeah, I don't almost, there's not that association, which is like impressive for him to do because obviously there's such an association with mm-hmm. who Dwayne is as a person. 
I think the chemistry between the cast, I don't know how they recorded this because obviously a lot of recordings for um, animated films, you tend to just do it by yourself. I don't know whether they had sessions where they were together or whether it was all separate, but there was a, there was a chemistry between the voice actors. I felt in the way that obviously, obviously that helps in the way that it's animated, the way that it's written, but it never felt like it was disconnected at all. It all felt very connected. I thought, um, because obviously this was Ali's first ever job, um, which is funny and mad. Imagine your first job being like a Disney um, princess lead role thing. I mean, surely like that's the way Disney should just go ahead now and just do that for all future like Disney roles. Well, like, yeah, because what, a, roles. what find like you find this girl who's never done anything before. She can sing. She can. She can act. She's she's gone on to do um, more live action stuff as well. She can act really well. Like what a find! <laughs> yeah, like that. That shows like they their casting work is always fantastic, and I think that like comes through in throughout the cast as well. Like the rest of the people they have involved, like mm-hmm. uh, Jermaine Clement, who plays is Tamatoa. Mm-hmm. He's so perfect for that role. The sort of uh, the sort of uh, weird cockiness. He's got just this vibe about him and it fits so perfectly for a a crab who's been <laughs> away from humanity for way too long. Mm. I mean, for the most part, I always find that Disney films do hit the mark correctly with, or at least most of the animated films do hit the mark correctly with their um, casting. Obviously, you mentioned Onward as one that maybe didn't quite um, hit it as it should, but for the most part i do find that they always get the right people in but yeah i I do think that i i'm i'm always for big um you know production studios and all of that finding fresh talent that's that's something i think that all of them should do so when you know the fact that they had this young girl first ever job and she did so well with it i always because i remember when that when the oscars rolled around that year and she was performing and i was like I cannot imagine how nervous this girl is. Your yeah, first like, ever job and you're performing, you're singing in front of Meryl Streep. You're joking. Yeah. That's crazy. Cause you, yeah, you've literally gone from, Oh, you know, I'm auditioning for a Disney movie. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I'll get it. So, Oh, the movie's like super successful. I'm, I'm basically nominated for an Oscar cause I sung the song. And now I have to sing at the Oscars in front of all these people. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, just like unreal, and what, and it's great to see that she has like continued to 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 work past that, and mm. you know, uh, and I think again that just shows that Disney did a great job in terms of like finding the perfect person for that role. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, I just think that um, the whole thing with this film, everything tied together so perfectly, and that's why it's created such a perfect sort of film um, because. Yeah, everything was just very harmonious with um, the music, the visuals, the acting. Everything just came together to create this perfect little film. <laughs> yeah, and I find it really interesting as well. So I'm big into like Disney parks and things like that. And mm. Moana's obviously one of the newer ones. But the, they've been really integrating the music from Moana into their different shows and fireworks oh. performances. And the way they use How Far I'll Go is always, like, fantastic. 
I'll, I'll see if I can find the video for it because one of the fireworks shows is so incredible how they use like a slightly altered version of how far I'll go. It's like mind-blowingly perfect. Oh um, and yeah, they just know how to <laughs> like when they get their music going, they know how to write a banger. And mm-hmm. that's like one of those songs, which is constantly, you know, around that time, you could hear it everywhere you went. You'd constantly hear how far I'll go. But this, I just think this film is great. I think Dwayne Johnson, let's talk about Maui as a character for a bit. I think he's a really fun character. Um, a really engaging character. Some of my favourite scenes were the ones that he was involved in. Um, and the, what what an introduction to a character with Your Welcome being their sort of introduction song really sets him up for the rest of the film really, really well. Yeah, it does. And I think it's really interesting because like his character is... It, <laughs> I mean, in terms of the story, he's kind of the bad guy. <laughs> Mm. because he's the one who steals uh, the heart of Tafiti to begin with um, he does it for like a noble cause without realising the sort of repercussions of it and it's sort of his like he has to go through and learn okay no I did a bad thing I need to rectify my mistakes and yeah like almost atone for my sins sort of thing and it's yeah. such an interesting like arc he goes through because you know, we first meet him on that island and he's still cocky and being like, yeah, you guys literally adore me. I'm the best. When in reality, it's like, no, you caused all this. This is all your fault. And it's kind of like the film's almost his redemption story. We've just added, obviously, the Moana story alongside that. But like in terms of um, his arc, it's about him coming to terms with his mistakes. And it is interesting when you watch the character at the beginning and you're like you said very cocky very arrogant and then when you get to the end and he's very humbled <laughs> by his experiences um and i just think that in terms of what dwayne johnson brought to that it, i do think it really helped to elevate the character um and to elevate that part of the story really well yeah i i think he plays cocky so well but mm. I think also that he's, you know, that shows his sort of growth as a as an actor that he now has that sort of humble side where he can sort of show those emotions, even just through his voice work. Mm, definitely. It's just such a nice film. <laughs> it sounds really like, that sounds like a really lame review, but it is like a really like lovely film to watch. The, the, the visuals are stunning. I always think about that end scene where she returns the heart. And how well animated it is. It's just so well done. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like, we're getting to the point with these sort of like Disney films where you can't even like talk about the critique of like, oh, how does it, how does the movie look? Because for the most part, they are just visually stunning and are flawless. There's not a point, you know, we've got to the point now where they've made a sort of visual language for themselves that. We, we as an audience understand and I think that's you know come from all the, from Tangled onwards where we understand what a Disney movie looks like now and mm-hmm. we are just impressed and bored over like whenever there's anything sort of like crazy which is like the water animations in this one are just like mind-blowing to me 
that mm. they give amazing life to the water, which yeah, like a lot of films do struggle with water animation. Like you said with Disney, everyone you, you kind of go in knowing what what to expect, but it still manages to pull people in. It still manages to, um, f- you know, people want to go and see these films. They are big film events. Um, and I think that is ultimately just down to the quality of um, the films and, and and all parts of it as well. Like we were saying with this one, you know, everything ca- came together perfectly. It's just, it's so good. I hadn't seen it in a while it wasn't one that I'd gone back and I don't tend to go back and watch rewatch a lot of films. There's only a few that I do that with. So I hadn't been back and watched it until um, I watched it for this. And I was like, I forgot how beautiful this film looks. <laughs> yeah. Like it's really like rich in color. In mm. terms of, like there's beautiful contrast. Um, when they're sort of like fighting the sort of fire demon, <laughs> it's, such a beautiful contrast between like the water and smoke and fire and mm-hmm. it, it looks so visually interesting and the you know they have a bit of like an action sequence in the middle that's sort of a mad max-esque with the sort of like coconut warriors and it and it comes out of nowhere because it's it immediately like happens after they like escape the little island that Dwayne mm. had been stuck on for however many years. <laughs> and then these just coconut warriors just show up in these like giant uh, boats. And that's a good action sequence. Yeah. Like it's it's really good. Like it's better than some action films do. <laughs> well, this is the thing, because I, I watch a lot of um anime and uh my my boyfriend's really into anime as well. And we we were discussing like different things, and one of the things that we think that animation does really well and better than live action is action sequences because when it comes to animating you can do whatever you want with it and you're not limited to the um, abilities of the performers and also obviously safety um (laughs) gotta keep those actors safe so it's quite interesting when you watch action sequences in animated format because they can do so much with it. They can hone in on different bits. They can zoom in on different sections that you get really close up. You can't do that when you're doing action sequences in live action because you're limited to just basic physics. <laughs> so it's it's really cool. It was really cool seeing that little action sequence because it was really good when she jumped up onto the, the piece of rope to slide off of the boat. I was like, go on, girl. You're like an action hero. <laughs> yeah. And I I think Disney's really good at sort of like punt like putting in those action sequences to to sort of keep the story going along as well. Um, a lot of the time, it's you know I feel like Moana's a good one in terms of it it does cater to all sort of audiences as well. It's not just a kids film like as we, <laughs> we were saying with the Two Fairy. It's Two Fairy is definitely aimed at kids. Like that's mm-hmm. solely the audience for this. But with Moana, you know, you can watch that at any age and there is something to enjoy, whether it's the visuals, whether it's a bit of the action, if it's the music, you know, there's something in there for everyone. That's what, And that's what Disney does really well, is that it's these are films that parents can take their kids to see, the kids are going to enjoy it and the parent is still going to enjoy it as well. And even if you don't have children, you can still go and see it and enjoy it because it's just a good film. Whereas there are a lot of films that are aimed at children that kind of will not interest adults as much because they're not 
the target audience at all. So even though with Disney, at, um, you know, all of their films for the most part are very much aimed at children because that's their demographic. It's still done in a way where everyone can enjoy it. And that's been something that they've been very consistent with, with all of their animated films from, from the very beginning from Snow White all the way up until where we are now. It's, it's all they've always been consistent with that, and that's something that I do admire about um, the studio um, and particularly their animated films. Yeah, like uh, I think you kind of have to look at it and be like, look, everyone, you know, other studios are basically modeling off of what Disney have achieved over the hundred odd years they've been doing mm-hmm. it now, and yeah, like that's just how it is because they they set the standards so early on. Mm. Are there any other scenes um, or moments that you really want to sort of discuss? I really enjoy the sort of uh, introduction to to the village. I think um, that's, uh, Where You Are is such a, a lovely song and a great sort of like, because uh, obviously it, this explores a different culture to what a lot of people have viewed, uh, especially from previous like Disney films. Mm-hmm. And this is a great way to sort of show that culture in, in a way and have you know you instantly thrown into that world and understand it and understand the the hierarchy of it mm-hmm. and yeah it's honestly it's just a lovely song as well yeah i think disney's definitely improved on how they um represent and and show other cultures other histories um that's you know you look back at when obviously they got a lot of stick um in the past for films like Pocahontas um, for the way that they presented other cultures. Whereas I think when you look at it now and when you take something like Moana, I think they were very, um, or it seems that they were very respectful to these um, other cultures, which is definitely a welcome improvement. Yeah. I think, I think that's the big thing is that there, there are steps going forward that they're improving. And I think that is the way forward for all, uh, films as well that are trying to have other cultures shown on screen you need to have those people not only on the screen but behind the scenes as well to you know make sure that these things are actually true that you're portraying you don't want to be showing something on screen but doesn't actually represent those people and and yeah that's <laughs> i feel like disney at least are making steps in that direction nowadays yes 100 percent um so, so are there any other performances from Dwayne Johnson that you really love? Uh, I, I want to bring it back to Jumanji again. <laughs> I yes. think um, um, I, I back when the I think it was when the second one came out. I, in my head, I had this sort of thought process of like, this is like the, the one time I've seen an actor who is fully aware of like their on-screen presence mm. and plays it up in such a way that they are openly mocking who they are as a person. You know, mm. in, in Jumanji, he is openly playing a mockery of his stereotype of, like, I'm a big, strong man uh, who wears a brown shirt in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> and he happily did it, and he did it so well in that he not only acted on the level of he needs to act as... He's having to play a different person playing a different person. And it's, <laughs> and it's not easy. 
No, it's not. And this is the thing, because I, so I love, love, love the original Jumanji film. It's one of my favourite films from my childhood. And when they announced that they were doing this like reboot sort of sequel-esque type thing, I was like, ugh, no, you cannot ruin the brilliance that is the original version. And then when the film came out, I sort of watched it just just because I was curious. And I was so surprised by how entertained I was, how they'd modernised it in a way that still worked, that still honoured the original. And then I thought the whole concept of having, you know, you've got this big bulky man of Dwayne Johnson playing a character that is not not that at all very afraid to be in this jungle and then I loved it in the sequel where he was then wasn't he playing the granddad as well um at one point oh yeah it was wait yeah he was was he Danny DeVito at one point yeah he was Danny DeVito (laughs) I think that just shows like sort of like what a step up Dwayne's taken in terms of like his acting skills in that he is comfortable to be like okay here's this person I need to act like them I'm not me I'm in my body, they're in my body, and I've got her act like they're in my body. <laughs> For me, that's one of my um, favourite films that he's been in. Um, and then obviously, I love fighting with my family, but he's playing himself in that, so I don't know whether we can necessarily count that one. Um, yeah, but... <laughs> that, that one's such a good one, but it is, it's Florence Pugh's movie. He's, yeah. <laughs> Dwayne is in it just for like five minutes at most. But he produced it, so big Oh up yeah, we'll Dwayne. give him that. Yeah, big up Dwayne. <laughs> Um, so is there anyone else that you would like really want me to discuss on here? Is there another actor that you're like, oh yeah, you should talk about them? Oh, there's just so many. Um, (laughs) I, I honestly, I think someone like Sigourney Weaver would be so interesting (gasps) because her career Mm -hmm. is like, so like, you know, she's done work for a lot of decades and I think it's very varied and I'd be Mm -hmm. so curious to see, (laughs) <laughs> what her worst <laughs> is in a way i'm so curious like what her lowest rate would be yeah and i feel and like then... it would be quite competitive at the top as well like you know like with alien aliens and i'm just I might have to, yeah because maybe um is is avatar going to be at the top because that <gasps> leads me into my next one which is where can people find you because you host a podcast i sure do oh i wasn't gonna mention it but i will now thank you yeah. <laughs> um yes hello i <laughs> i host a podcast which is all about avatar um not the tv show avatar the last Airbender, avatar the blue people one uh, <laughs> called sivako road to avatar where i'm getting a lot of guests on having a lovely chat with them as they tell me all their knowledgeable things about avatar and i just become a treasure trove of avatar knowledge over the uh following months as we lead up to the way of water in december yes yeah, very exciting i need to i actually need to re-watch the first avatar i haven't seen it in in such a long time um ahead of the new one coming out um but i have listened to some of your podcasts and it is great so everyone if you're listening you must go over and listen to that now um do you have like a, a twitter or anything that people can follow you on i do so if you want to just follow me uh my twitter is s alexander film and if you want to follow my podcast, which uh, I feel like I'm posting more on my podcast one right now, um, <laughs> find me at, at Avatar Pod. And I would absolutely love to have you on to talk Avatar or anything anything you feel like that's vaguely Avatar James Cameron based. Feel free to come on and I'd love to have you on to uh, discuss. Yes, that would be so much uh, fun. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to come and talk about um, Dwayne Johnson. It's been a really interesting discussion. Um, oh, thank you for having me. It's been, it's been so much fun and I'm always happy to talk about Dwayne. I feel like <laughs> not only just because he's listening, but because he seems like he'd be such a great guy. And please, Dwayne, hang out with us. Our next actor that we are going to be discussing on this podcast, we are finally coming back to Mr. Tom Cruise. Where, yes, eventually we have got there. Obviously, it was originally supposed to be a few um, episodes back, but unfortunately, my guest um, wasn't available at the time that we needed to record. So now they are available, and um, I'm going to be recording that, and we're going to be discussing Tom Cruise. Um, there's been a little bit of a change as to what films we will be discussing, um, but I'm actually going to leave that as a surprise, and you will find out in the next episode um so make sure that you join me for that sean once again thank you so much i've had a really really nice discussion thank you thank you for having me um and i will see everybody next time on better than bad thank you very much